so celebrating Corpus Christi, I think it's very fitting that it falls on Father's Day. What was the essence of what we've learned in Revelation about God? Now, remember, everybody always gets on the Catholic Church. I don't need man-made rules. Well, no, the Catholic Church starts with what's called dogma. Dogma is great, the greatest. This is revelation from God, direct revelation. And one of the main things is that God is Father. This is what Christ came to teach us. That was a concept foreign. A father loves you, takes care of you. That's what makes us different than all the other religions, especially Islam. God is a disciplinarian, an ogre. Um, Our revelation of God is Abba, Father, loving. This is what Father's Day is. And so we see, though, that it ties to what the Father gives us. What does the Father give us? He gives us the greatest gift. He gives us his own son to pay our debt that we owe for sin. Remember, the penalty for sin is death. You always hear me say, when I sin or you sin, somebody deserves to die. We deserve to die. Well, the father, Abba, the loving dad, sent a remedy for that. He sent his son so that he would die in our place, that he took our place so that we can have everlasting life. Now, how does that form of the son, since he lived 2,000 years ago, affect us today? Jesus said, I will be with you to the end of time. How is that possible when he ascended back to the father 40 days after he resurrected, back in the year 33 AD? How is it possible when he went back to the father and assumed body and soul into heaven that he can still remain with us and we can be affected by this gift? The Eucharist. The Eucharist. This is so powerful. It's the whole basis of our faith. Now the basis of the Eucharist happens in the Mass. Now did you hear the words that was in that second reading? I mean, listen to the second reading. I mean, this is from St. Paul. And he says, he says right here, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was handed over, took bread, and after he had given thanks, broke it and said, this is my body, that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is the mass. Oh, well, you Catholics aren't scriptural. The whole mass is scriptural. In fact, the entire mass, there is more scripture in one weekday Catholic Mass than any Sunday Protestant service, period. This entire Mass, if you haven't seen our talk, Brother Mark and I do online, you can find it on our YouTube channel, where we walk you through every single word of the Missal of the Mass. It is all scriptural. And when that priest says and raises that, do this in remembrance of me, oh, well, you Catholics are just reenacting it. No, the mass is not a reenactment. It's not a, representa- or not a representation. It's a representation. We are there at Calvary. We are there in the upper room. We are there. Do you know what do this in memory of me means? In Greek, it's amnesis. That's a part of the mass. The Greek, the uh, Jewish understanding of that was to take something that is present, and Jesus was in the upper room, making his body and blood present to the existence of the world, 
And the Greek word in the scriptures is anamnesis. That means to now make present for all eternity. It's not a, a memory in the way we think of it. It's not to remember something like we remember the, the country's birthday on July 4th. And, and, and what? No, we, we, we're not remembering an event in the past. This event has made, been made present for all eternity. This is the mass. This is eternally going on before the Father. Jesus is eternally showing his wounds before the Father now for all eternity. There is no time for God. There's no past for God. There's no presence for God. That's why Jesus' wounds are eternally present before the Father. That is why Mary was conceived immaculately 48 years before the, the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, how was she immaculately conceived? By the merits of the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, it happened 48 years before. Yes, because it was made present to all time. This is do this in remembrance of me. Amenesis. This is what we learn in seminary. This is what we Catholics don't understand about our faith. This is why we try to take you back every Saturday to seminary and every single day at this Mass. You know, listen to these words. In the same way, also the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. What do I say right there at the altar? The new and eternal covenant. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the death of our Lord. What is our response? The memorial acclamation. What do we say? We say either save us, Savior of uh, Lord Jesus Christ, Savior of the world, or, or we say when we eat this bread and drink this cup, or we say this, this line right here, we proclaim your death until you come again. This is the mass. This is the beautiful gift of our faith. You know, it's, it's, it's so powerful that, you know, and, and St. Faustine is a great example here. I'm going to have Postulant Joseph read passage number 1804, where St. Faustine talks about Holy Communion. St. Faustina says, if the angels were capable of envy, if... They would only envy man for two reasons. I was always fascinated by this passage in the diary. One, that we can suffer. Angels can't suffer. They're spirit only. They don't have a body-soul composite like we do. Why would they be envious that we can suffer? Because when we suffer, we share in the cross of Christ. So they envy us for that, believe it or not. So don't let your suffering be wasted. Offer it, unite it to the cross of Christ. It can save souls. Not that you do it, you unite it to the act of Christ on the cross that saved the souls. And next, the angel said, they would only be capable of envy because we can receive holy communion. They don't. The angels don't receive holy communion. So this is something they're actually envious of. And yet we walk up, we walk up the aisle, it's like, huh? Chewing gum, gloves on, receiving it in our hand with gloves on, 
I've had people grab it out of my host. Please don't grab the host out of the priest's hands. That's not how we receive. We receive, or better yet, on the tongue, kneeling before our Lord. This is the body and blood of Christ. And yet we don't understand this. This is why the mass is the perfect form of prayer. Well, I don't need the mass, Father. I do what scripture says. Go to your room, close the door and pray. Well, that's great. That's the start. You can't have this mass if you don't do that. Because prayer comes in two forms, public and private. Private, we have to have a prayer foundation in our life. Or this Sunday mass isn't going to mean anything. So yes, you do have to go to your door, close it and pray. But your, your prayer, like mine, is imperfect because of our sins. But now when we come to Mass, all of a sudden prayer is made perfect because it's a perfect sacrifice. This is the whole meaning of what Scott Hahn talks about. You know, um, I've told the story before when I was in North Carolina. Um, one of my first, we opened our doors right before 9-11, and it was tough, and I... I I had my own business down there in, in uh, North Carolina, and there was a guy in Charlotte that I was talking to that was interested in possibly using our services, but he wanted to get to know me first. That's, that's, that's good. And so he was a real strong Christian, and somehow we got talking about the faith, but he was Pentecostal. And he said, I want you to come down to my, my church service on Wednesday night. So I went down there. And um, <clears throat> I wasn't really strong in my faith yet. I didn't really know fully the beauty of the Catholic faith. And he said, um, you know, he says, I want you to come to this church and everything. And I, I, I've told this story before, but I, I think it's, it's so interesting because this is what we Catholics sometimes get sucked into. I, got, I could have easily been persuaded away from my Catholic faith that night because I walked in the door and God bless you, all these people to greet us. We don't see that always in the Catholic Church. One of the times, one of the things people say about the Catholic Church is, I, I don't feel the energy, I don't feel the greeting. Well, but that's a manly sense. That's a human, you want to talk about human? People who say, I'm not about the Catholic Church because it's man-made stuff. Well, that's judging man-made, whether or not there's somebody singing and dancing at the doorway when you walk in. Yeah, it's good to be felt welcome, but that's not the centerpiece of the worship. This is the centerpiece of worship. So I walked in and all these people come in and, and this guy, the business guy I was working with says, hey everybody, this is Chris and he's Catholic. And everybody rushed to me, started praying over me, trying to re relieve me from this Catholic heresy. And he says, Pastor Jim, come on over. And Pastor Jim comes over and he says, welcome Chris. He says, you're Catholic? I said, yep. He says, well, welcome. Here at our church, we don't have any of them, their rituals. We don't have the, the, I, the uh, uh, statues and the idol worship. And we don't have any of that. We don't have that altar and all that incense and all that swingy stuff. We just come. We just come. And at first, and a lot of Catholics get sucked into this. And a lot, at first I'm like, well, you know that, maybe they're right. Maybe he has a point here. 
Well, then I add my own mini version of Scott Hahn's story of the Lamb's Supper. If you haven't heard Scott Hahn's story of the Lamb's Supper, please look it up. I had my own little mini version of it well before I ever heard his story. And it's funny because this pastor basically was, was talking about the, the night. And, and, and you know what they were doing that night? They were studying the book of Revelation. Just, just like Scott Hahn's meaning of the Lamb's Supper. It was amazing. And so anyway, the, rap, the book of Revelation, they started talking about what? The Antichrist and the rapture. The book of Revelation is not about the rapture and the Antichrist. That's not what the book of Revelation is about. Basically, as Scott Hahn says, it's about the Mass. It's about the Eucharist. It says here, basically... That what, you know, in fact, do you know what the word apocalypse means? Okay, we call the book of Revelation the book of the apocalypse, right? Do you know what the word means, the Greek word? It means to unveil. That's what apocalypse means, not a bunch of earthquakes and, and fires. You know what apocalypse means? It means to unveil. What's the book of Revelation? We are unveiling the heavenly liturgy here on earth. Isn't there some video that was floating out a few years ago, the veil removed or something like that about the mass? So the church is basically heaven here on earth. And this is what Scott Hahn talked about. Now, Scott Hahn, I'm going to borrow from him right now because I think this is an incredible summary. Scott Hahn says you want to see the Eucharist in the, in the liturgy, not only John 6, turn to the book of Revelation. Do you know what's in the book of Revelation? The priesthood. Chapter 20, verse 6, celibacy of the priests. Oh, you Catholics, how dare you make the man-made rule that priests can't marry? Well, open up the book of Revelation. Celibacy, chapter 14, verse 4 is in there. What about the high priest and the robes and the candles? Oh, that's all Catholic invention. No, turn to Revelation chapter 1, verse 13. What about the altar? What about that censer, the swingy thing that that pastor talked about? And the incense rising up like the prayers of the saints before the throne of God. Turn to Revelation chapter 8, verse 3 and 4. What about the Eucharist, the manna, the bread from heaven? Turn to Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. What about our mass where we sing and shout? Oh, you can't pray, it's repetitive. Oh, repetitive prayer, we can't do repetitive prayer, we Catholics? Well, turn to the book of Revelation. Holy, holy, holy. They don't say just holy, they repeat it. Holy, 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 Revelation 4, 8. What about the alleluia that we just sang as we came forward? That's Revelation chapter 19, verse 1. What about the Gloria that Brother Ken just beautifully sang right now? Oh yeah, that's right. That's Revelation 15, verse 3. What about the penitential rite where we just began this Mass, where we asked God to give us repentance, where we repented before God? That's in the book of Revelation. What about saying the Lamb of God that we're going to be singing here three times? That's 28 times in the book of Revelation. What about the altars? What about the books? What about the chalices? That is all in the book of Revelation. What about the white robes that the priest wears? What about the saints? What about the sacrifice of the lamb to the father where the sacrificed lamb had to be eaten like the Holy Communion? That's in the book of Revelation. Get the point? That's the point. This is the point that Scott Hahn makes. The, the, the fact that the mass is on every page of the book of Revelation. 
All of these, the mass is heaven on earth. Christ is present in heaven and on earth in the mass. You make it to mass, Scott Hahn says, you make it to heaven. So as I'm sitting there listening to this, I'm confused. As that night that we're at this Pentecostal church and they're reading the book of Revelation, I'm like, that doesn't sound like the Antichrist or the rapture. And then later when I heard Scott Hahn's talk on Lamb's Supper, it's like it all made sense. Christ gives himself even to us as a bride in Holy Communion. Again, Revelation 19.9. And then finally I want to finish because the whole book of Revelation is divided just like the masses, Scott Hahn teaches us. Do you know in chapters 1 through 11, this is incredible to me. In the, verse, or the chapters of the book of Revelation, 1 through 11, you know what happens? The high priest emerges at the altar, goes to the book to reveal its contents. What does that sound like? That's the liturgy of the word of the Catholic mass. Then in chapters 13 through 22, guess what happens? The people are fed the manna. The wine is placed into chalices. Chalices are filled with wine. And guess what happens? Take one guess. It's turned into blood. Where have you seen that? The Catholic mass. This is like the second part of the mass, the liturgy of the Eucharist. This is everything. And so this is, I want to finish, because when I did my talks on the chaplet of divine mercy, it brings us all together. What are the two forms of the mass I just said? Liturgy of the word, chapters 1 through 11, the book of Revelation. Priest comes to the book, reveals its content. What is the liturgy of the word? It's a meditation on scripture. Scripture, the life of Jesus, the life of Mary. What is the rosary? The rosary is not a bunch of Hail Marys. The rosary is a meditation on scripture, the life of Jesus and Mary. So if you miss mass, and it's a Sunday, what's the next best thing? Go to con confession. But if you miss weekday mass, do the rosary. It's like liturgy of the word. It's a meditation on scripture. And what's the second part of the mass? Chapters 13 through 22 in the book of Revelation. It's the liturgy of the Eucharist. The wine is turned into blood and people are fed the bread, the body and blood of the lamb. So what's the next best thing? If you can't make daily mass, pray the chaplet of divine mercy. Why? Because the chaplet of divine mercy is that Eucharistic sacrifice. Why? Because the priest makes the sacrifice. And what is the prayer of the chaplet? The prayer of the chaplet is eternal father. I offer you the body and blood of your dearly beloved son, our Lord Jesus Christ. What's happening there? Well, just in the mass, what's happening? The priest is offering the body and blood eternal father. Who is the prayers of the mass addressed to? The father. So eternal father. It's basically what I'm saying. When I elevate that host, I'm basically saying, Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and the sins of the whole world. This is basically what I'm doing when I lift that host. Well, Father, I'm not a priest. Only you can do that. Actually, by virtue of your baptism, you are a priest. 
When you were baptized, you were joined to the three offices of Christ, priest, prophet, and king. You are a prophet. A prophet teaches. You are to teach the ways of the Lord. You are a king. A king governs. You are to govern your family and your loved ones in the ways of the Lord. But you're also a priest. And what does a priest do? A priest offers sacrifice. Joseph just read it in the first reading of Melchizedek. Who's Melchizedek? Jesus comes from the line of Melchizedek. Melchizedek offered the first sacrifice of bread and wine. This is amazing. And so when we come and when you share in that prayer, you're exercising your priesthood. Eternal Father, I offer you. Well, who are you? I can't offer God. Yes, you can. You're a priest, not a ministerial priest. Can't hear confessions or celebrate mass, but you participate in it. And you share in the common priesthood of Christ that offers that sacrifice to the Father. That's why we can pray, Eternal Father, I offer you the body, blood, soul, and divinity of your dearly beloved Son because you are exercising your priesthood. So if you make it to Mass, the best. You can't make it to Mass, pray a rosary. It's like Liturgy of the Word, Revelation chapters 1 through 11. You pray the chaplet. It's like the Liturgy of the Eucharist, Revelation 13 through 22. Oh my, how could you ask for anything more? And for all of the Catholics who say, I don't go to Mass because I don't get anything out of it. The Mass isn't about your entertainment. The Mass is about what you put into it. And what you put into it is your whole heart, body, and soul. And if you do that, you can't get anything more out of it. Because what you get out of it is eternal life. And that is the gift all of this is the gift of our Father. This truly is Father's Day because we get the gift from our Abba Father and it comes in the form of the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Whew. This is our faith. God bless you. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.